It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Eric Looney. Guys, let's uh, kick off uh, our Sunday edition of Daily Thunder with part 25 of our spiritual lessons from World War II. I have... uh, the, the Friday edition that I gave, which was on a meeting between Roosevelt and Churchill, uh, was deeply stirring to me. And uh, this particular session is a, a unique one as well for me that is all sort of happening in uh, mid-1941 uh, mid, uh, to the end of the summer in 1941. Uh, and we've gone through that over the past week uh, in, in this part of the grand drama of World War II, there's a huge event that is going to burst forth uh, in mid-June. So June 22nd of 1941 is going to be the surprise attack of Hitler and the, and the Nazi Germans against uh, Stalin and the Soviet Russians. And it is a, a huge event in world history. I mean, we still feel the repercussions of it today because it's ultimately going to lead to the end of Nazism and the end of Hitler. This decision to take on Russia is actually a huge turning point in the battle, but we're not going to see it turn for quite some time. And so in the middle of 1941, this is a a disaster area of what we have because the Russians are caught off guard and they are pushed back in heavy, I mean, just massive droves. And there's going to be millions and millions of lost, lost lives in a very short period of time, which is going to bring up a very unique issue. And that is the allies uh, who we've known from the beginning, they were, it was France and Great Britain, but then France is going to be overtaken. It is going to actually surrender. And so France is sort of off the table. Now it's Great Britain standing alone. And the United States on the other side of the Atlantic is desirous to stay out of this, but they're willing to support Great Britain. And so this is the dynamic that is taking place because the United States hasn't entered the war. So Great Britain is standing all alone. So the allies is really just ally. It's just themselves, Great Britain and their commonwealth of nations like Australia, for instance, uh, and uh, Canada, you know, India. They're part of the, uh, the greater imperial network of uh, Great Britain. However, uh, when Russia is attacked, the allies desire to see Russia be able to fight back to to resist because the last thing the allies want is for Germany to overtake Russia and to have all of Russia's resources and all of its soldiers to fight against Great Britain. And so technically what they want is they want to strengthen Russia, which is a weird thing to desire because they're communists and they don't, the the Great Britain does not want to support that. So this is a very unique tension that is being created in the world. And so I'm calling this the unfriendly ally, and that's an understatement. So I'm going to, before I get into this, give some examples of difficult people, because I'm going to give you an example of a very difficult person in World War II, and his name is Joseph Stalin. But before I get there, I want to let you all know that I've been around some difficult people in my life, and I'm not trying to make a a statement about these people because they had a great impact upon me. Technically, if you want to say it this way, the two people I'm going to describe had a huge impact on my life, and it's more humorous than anything else. Uh, My cousin. I had a cousin when I was uh, young uh, that 
came over, and it's so funny because the dynamics are so different today, but you know, you take a, I don't know what he was, 11, 12 years old at the time he came over to stay with us for the summer. And uh, whatever age I was, like 16 or 17, uh, I was in the cool zone of my life, and there were certain things that I desired, certain things that I expected, and this uh, little kid was really cramping my style. And so I tell you what, it was one of the most unique summers of my life. And I still remember this one moment when uh, we went out to eat and he ordered everything on the menu. And this is not an exaggeration even. I mean, he literally sat down and and my dad's like, well, just get whatever you want. And so he did. And he got everything he wanted, everything that he couldn't get back home. He ordered the whole thing. And my dad's sitting there staring. All of us as kids are sitting there staring. And I was offended. I mean, he's going to spend my dad's money. I mean, he's, I'm not allowed to order five desserts. What is it? What? That's ridiculous. I didn't even get one dessert. He has, this is not fair. I remember the, I, I was so upset with this kid, like 24 hours a day, the whole summer long. And it was, I didn't handle it well. I'm just going to tell you right up front, I didn't handle it well. We've all had difficult people in our life that press our buttons. And some of us, you know, can say, oh, I've handled that well. But m many of us can testify, I did not handle that well. My missionary team member, if you've gone through Ellerslie, sometimes I share the story of, uh, it was, we, food was scarce uh, for us as missionaries. I grew up eating all you can eat. Uh, that's what's funny is because here I am telling you a story about this kid that's ordering everything on the menu. Yeah, uh, but I didn't get to do that. Okay, that's, that's an extreme. But I grew up, my mom would always, you know, stick a big pile of food on the table and we could never finish it. So we'd always have leftovers. So basically you could have as many servings as you want uh, every meal. And when I went to college, I would have seven plates of food. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration on that front either. I mean, I, I ate a lot of food. And so uh, it was uh, in missionary school, I would get up and I would usually be one of the only uh, characters that would make it to breakfast uh, in the morning. And so I would have uh, the food that I needed because that's what I craved. And so I, but they had one morning out of the week, which I think was like a Friday morning, where it was pancakes. And everyone got up for pancakes. So no one got up the rest of the days of the week. They would sleep in. But pancake day, everyone needed to get up and make it in there. So it was a threat to my food supply is what it was. Because now with the limited amount of food at this missionary school, we got our food from the food bank. Uh, this was now a threat. And we had limited numbers of pancakes. And so I was sitting across the table from a character who was on my missionary team. He was an ally. So my cousin is an ally. I have a missionary team member who's an ally. In other words, this guy's supp I'm supposed to be working with him, okay? Family. And uh, the big plate of pancakes got set on our table after we'd waited, you know, about a half hour. And pancakes get there. And we're just like anticipating the pancakes. Just can't wait for the pancakes. He literally sticks his fork into the pile of pancakes and moves them all onto his plate. And I'm, I'm looking down the table. You know how in those moments of shock, you look for someone who can identify with your shock? And so I'm looking down like, can you believe this? And I, I mean, I was, but I'm, I'm a Christian, okay? I, I've learned, and now I really blew it on my cousin growing up, and so I wanted to do it better. I wanted to actually begin to handle these situations a little better, and so I was restraining myself and just sort of muttering under my breath like, God, you know, you need to bring judgment on this situation. And so we wait like another 15 minutes, 20 minutes for the next round because they were going and serving the different tables of pancakes. And they finally set down some pancakes uh, on our table. And guess what happens? You guys are not going to believe this. 
Yeah, my team member sticks his fork into it and takes the entire pile and sticks it on his plate. I mean, can you even imagine? How's a human supposed to handle this? Okay, this happened, I want to say, at least three times. I do not remember what happened in the fourth, fifth, and sixth times. All I remember doing is I stayed there a really long time to see if I could at least get one or two pancakes. It was a hard morning. So every single one of us can understand that there are circumstances in life, especially food circumstances for us guys, that can test us. And there is, and get this, this is the whole point of my message, there's a proper way of handling these circumstances, and there's an improper. And most of us go with the improper because we get frustrated. This situation in World War II is going to present the Allies which at the first is just going to be Great Britain, but then America is going to end up entering the war, and they have to put up with Joseph Stalin, and he is not that easy of a character. He's the type of character that sticks his fork into the entire plate of pancakes and sticks it on his own plate, okay? This is a hard thing to deal with. So there he is, guys. Uh, he has a pipe in his hand. If you're missing the, 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 the live or the, the stream uh, and you're just getting this via podcast, you're missing a, a fun picture of Joseph Stalin. But on the top of this screen, it says, a difficult man, Joseph Stalin. And I'm going to give you what is an indirect quote of Winston Churchill when he is describing working with Joseph Stalin. Okay, here it is. Surly, snarly, grasping, and indifferent to the needs of everyone but himself. Could you imagine needing to work with this character? And their lives depended upon it. Now, remember the I don't know if I've, this is somewhat of a spoiler, but the entire outcome of World War II is going to hinge on Joseph Stalin actually working on their side. So they had to put up with this guy. This isn't very easy. And many of us in our lives, whether it's family members, whether it's people we work with in business, whether it's people in the church, there are people that are difficult to deal with. But this is where we prove our Christianity. We actually showcase Christ in and through dealing with difficult people. So June 22nd, 1941, just to give you a little context of where we're at in the flow of world history, Operation Barbarossa, this is going to be the surprise sneak attack of Hitler upon uh, Soviet Russia. And this is what's going to kick off this whole drama because now the Soviet Union is in desperate need of help. And Germany is rushing on Soviet Union and beating them back very quickly. And if Great Britain doesn't do something to help, Russia is going down, which is going to actually cause even greater harm for Great Britain in the future, which means they need to help Russia. So here's Winston Churchill. Up to the moment when the Soviet government was set upon by Hitler, they seemed to care for no one but themselves. Afterwards, this mood naturally became more marked. In other words, before they were attacked, they didn't care about anyone but themselves. After they got attacked, they only thought about themselves all the more. All they cared about was Soviet Russia. Hey, we need your help. We need your arms. We need your tanks. We need your planes. You need to help us. Hitherto, they had watched with stony composure the destruction of the front in France in 1940 and our vain efforts in 1941 to create a front in the Balkans. They had given important economic aid to Nazi Germany. Guess who was helping the Nazis? Yeah, Soviet Russia, Stalin. And it helped them in many minor ways. Now, having been deceived and taken by surprise, they were themselves under the flaming German sword. This is Winston Churchill continues. Their first impulse and lasting policy was to demand all possible succor, that means help, 
from Great Britain and her empire. Hey, Great Britain, you need to help us. They did not hesitate to appeal in urgent and strident terms to harassed and struggling Britain to send them the munitions of which her armies were so short. Great Britain was struggling for their life. They're barely surviving. And it's sort of like having your own uh, little, uh, what do you call it, what you float around in the water with? What are those things called? Uh, you guys aren't helping me. I have this limited audience in here. Remember, we have to be 10 or under in here. Life vest. There it is. Life vest. The inner tube was another one of the proposals. But it, it could be either. It's like you have your own life vest and you're, barely, you're struggling in the, in the seas and, you know, as waves are crashing against you. And Stalin comes along and says, hey, I'm sinking. Give me your life vest. That's the equivalent of what is taking place. And Stalin thinks that it's totally reasonable that he would get Churchill's life vest. Why not? Because uh, Stalin needs help right now. Stalin only thinks about himself. And that is a very difficult thing for us to be around, any of us. It, it's, it's very challenging. So they did not hesitate to appeal in urgent and strident terms to harassed and struggling Britain to send them the munitions of which her armies were so short. They urged the United States to divert to them the largest quantities of the supplies on which we were counting. Being the bigger person. You ever heard that statement? You just need to be the bigger person in this situation. Well, that doesn't mean like fatter. That just means you're the bigger person, which means you rise to behave better than the other person. In this situation, you can just feel it. As Winston Churchill writes about it in his memoirs here, he's struggling to even give words to how hard this was for him to deal with Stalin. Okay, stop right there. Now, I want you to pinpoint in your life some of those relationships or situations which have a tendency to be a little Stalin-esque for you. The different situations in life that are pressing on your soul. And you find that it's difficult to know how to actually give a proper response. In fact, every time this one circumstance comes up, you find yourself overreacting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think all of us could probably pinpoint different situations. Churchill has one of them right in front of him right now, being the bigger person. And what I'm going to actually say is that I'm impressed with how Churchill handles the situation. Very impressed. So here's Winston Churchill. The silence on the top level was oppressive. In other words, Stalin isn't even communicating. He's just totally silent over there. And I thought it my duty to break the ice. I quite understood that they might feel shy, considering all that had passed since the outbreak of the war, since the Soviets and the Western Allies, between the Soviets and the Western Allies, I therefore addressed myself to Stalin and expressed our intention to bring all aid in our power to the Russian people. On the 10th, I tried again. Official communications passed between the two foreign offices, but it was not until the 19th, that's of July, that I received the first direct communication from Stalin. From the first moment, I did my utmost to help with munitions and supplies. That's like military stuff. Both by consenting to severe diversions from the United States and by direct British sacrifices. So the United States is sending over all sorts of military supplies. And Winston Churchill has to bite his lip and say, yeah, send it to Russia. Uh, send it to Russia. And then they have all of their supplies that they need to just do what they need to do to protect themselves. And it's like, yeah, send it to Russia. Send it to Russia. That's hard. This guy's not very likable. And you really don't want to sponsor Soviet Russia. These guys don't even like you. They hate Great Britain. Isn't that an ir irony in this? And so that's not that easy of a thing to sacrifice your own supplies to give to. 
So I have a picture for all of you. This is a little bonus for all of you that uh, are present here and those of you that are uh, going to see this online. Now, here's a picture of Stalin and Churchill. They look like they like each other, don't they? There are various moments in our life where you could snap the camera and it would look like we have perfect relationships with everyone. And these two actually do not like each other and have a very difficult time dealing with each other. <clears throat> so just to give you an idea, I have a, a map on the screen. And this would be very difficult to describe to anyone that doesn't see it. But this is basically, uh, if you look all the way to the left, you're going to see Berlin. You see the Baltic Sea, Sweden up there, and then underneath it, you're going to see a red dot that says Berlin. That's the capital of Germany. That's where this is all starting. And you see that dashy sort of red line. That's going to be the, the, all the way that the Germans have pushed their agenda. They have conquered all this territory. So you see, it says Slovakia in there. Well, that used to be Czechoslovakia. And then you see occupied Poland. Uh, that, that used to be just Poland. And now it's occupied by the Germans. They have occupied Belarusia, occupied the Ukraine. This is not looking good. And so this is a disastrous situation. The Russians are going to lose 27 million people in this battle with the Germans. Unappreciated personal sacrifice. It's, I think that's an appropriate thing. I mean, this, some of the mothers, uh, we have uh, Leslie in here. She's the one mother in here that can maybe appreciate this this morning. But uh, unappreciated personal sacrifice. Doesn't that sound like motherhood right there? And so what we see in this situation is a test. A test for Great Britain, for Winston Churchill. No matter what they do, it's not enough. Stalin's still upset with them, saying they need to do more. And so no matter what sacrifices they make, Stalin never says, you know what? Thank you for that sacrifice. That, you know, that means a lot to me. It's unappreciated personal sacrifice, which is, again, another test. You see, Christ is going to come to this earth, and he is going to give an unappreciated personal sacrifice. Most of us have not done a great job of letting Christ know how much we appreciate what he's done. In other words, what would truly show our appreciation of Jesus Christ? Well, we would give everything to him. If we could see it, in light of its true reality of what he has done for us, we would give up everything. We would not be grasping. We would not hold on to our life and say, God, but can I live my own life and just honor you from a distance? We would radically give him everything he deserves. And yet we oftentimes don't see it. And we need to remember that. When people are not treating our sacrifices with regard, we need to remember that we have not given full regard to Christ's sacrifice. And so that oftentimes helps. It's the same principle of forgiveness. You know, Jesus Christ has forgiven us, so we need to forgive others. Jesus Christ has sacrificed for us, so let's sacrifice for others, even if there is no appreciation that is gained back in return. So here's Winston Churchill again. I was well aware that in the early days of our alliance, there was little we could do, and I tried to fill the void by civilities and to build up by frequent personal telegrams the same kind of happy relations which I had developed with the president. That's the president of the United States, uh, Franklin Roosevelt. He had a great relationship with Franklin Roosevelt, and he was trying his best to have a relationship with Stalin. In this long Moscow series, Moscow is the capital of uh, Russia, I received many rebuffs and only rarely a kind word. In many cases, the telegrams were left unanswered altogether or for many days. The Soviet government had the impression that they were conferring a great favor on us by fighting in their own country for their own lives. You ever been around someone that has a tendency to take everything that happens 
uh, is saying, you know, hey, we're conferring a favor upon you by doing this. Like, wait a minute, I think you just twisted reality inside of your mind. You guys are being attacked and you deserve to be attacked because you have been siding with the Germans. You were caught off guard. I get that. However, you're not conferring a favor upon us by fighting in your own country for your own life. We were fighting this battle long before you came in. And so it's the twisting of reality that many of us have felt that at times. The more they fought, the heavier our debt became. This was not a balanced view. Two or three times in this long correspondence, I had to protest in blunt language. Almost invariably, however, I bore hectoring, which means you know mocking, ridicule, and reproaches with a patient shrug. This is in quotes. A patient shrug for sufferance is the badge of all who have to deal with the Kremlin. Moreover, I made constant allowances for the pressures under which Stalin and his dauntless Russian nation lay. So in different situations, we go through the same thing. What is the statement here? A patient shrug for sufferance is the badge. As Christians, we give a patient shrug when we have irritants around us. Sufferance is our badge. In other words, we're willing to go through this for a long period of time with great grace and mercy. And what he also says, I think, is very fascinating, and that is he gave allowances for the fact that he knew Stalin was under great pressure. And so as a result, in different situations, when I look at different challenges in my own life, it's like, okay, yeah, you know what? His parents just broke up, right? They're going through a divorce. I guess I can understand why he may be acting that way. Yep. You know what? This guy was never taught social etiquette. He was never taught that he needed to think about others. And so that's probably why he's taking all of the pancakes. In other words, to give that grace and that understanding, it's still not correct behavior. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to excuse it and say, oh, that's the behavior we should all model. I'm saying there's an allowance that we can give. This is what the Christian technically is supposed to specialize in. Winston Churchill continues, we endure the unpleasant process of exposing our own vital security and projects to failure for the sake of our new ally. Surly, snarly, grasping, and so lately indifferent to our survival. That's a hard, hard one to sacrifice for. Without in the slightest degree challenging the conclusion which history will affirm that the Russian resistance broke the power of the German armies and inflicted mortal injury upon the life energies of the German nation, it is right to make it clear that for more than a year after Russia was involved in the war, she presented herself to our minds as a burden and not as a help. Nonetheless, we rejoiced to have this mighty nation in the battle with us, and we all felt that even if the Soviet armies were driven back to the Ural Mountains, Russia would still exert an immense, and if she preserved in the war, an ultimately decisive force, which is exactly what happened. So the word I want us to focus on this morning, it's a good biblical word for us that many of us have a misunderstanding of, and that's proates, or gentleness. When you hear the word gentleness, it just sounds like softness, doesn't it? But gentleness is a very specific quality of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you a definition that I think will help unpack it for you, and that is the opposite spirit. So it just means the opposite of. So if someone comes in harshness, gentleness would be in softness. And so it can be soft, but it also is just the opposite of what is being born against you. If something comes in flesh, then we come in spirit. If something comes in hate, we can come in love. And this is how a Christian functions. So I'm calling it the opposite spirit. It's softness when struck with hardness. It's mildness when hit with harshness. 
and a gentle word when belted with a spiteful word. Gentleness is divine control and governance over the inner man, holding the flesh in check that it not be given voice or strength in the matter. When we are hit by difficult circumstances, by difficult people, we have a tendency, and I'm just going to get it out on the table, to respond in the flesh. We have a tendency to respond improperly. And so as a result, it is critical that we recognize this as Christians, that our job is to respond as Christ would respond. Now, we also need to recognize that in and of ourselves, in our own pocket strength, we do not have what it takes to respond as Christ would respond, which means we need something from God, from heaven, working inside of us, enabling us to respond different, opposite the world. You know that the term for this in Scripture is holy. We are to behave as holy unto the Lord. What does that mean? That means other than the world, or opposite the world's behavior. So gentleness is a concept of that. It's to behave in a holy fashion. It's the way Christ would behave in that situation. So that person's very irritating. So what do you do? You respond as Christ to them, not as every other human would respond to an irritation, but as Christ would respond to an irritation. And we have the power of God to do that. Isn't that amazing? Well, it helps for us to first know that and then to employ that. You can be given a sword, and that sword could cut through anything. But if you don't ever know that you have it, you wouldn't use it. So we need to know that we have it, and we need to then pick it up and use it. We need to pick up this gentleness. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26, says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in gentleness, that's that parates, correcting those who are in opposition. So when he is dealing with someone who is in opposition to him, he needs to correct him with this parates, in an opposite spirit. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and so that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. And Paul is also going to say in Ephesians 4, 3, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, that's that same word, prates, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If I was going to describe what Churchill is going to do in World War II with Stalin, it's this. He is actually fulfilling Ephesians 4, 3. He has every reason to get upset with Stalin. Stalin is rude. Stalin is selfish. Stalin only thinks about Soviet Russia, could care less about Great Britain. He's already proven that before uh, they entered the battle as allies together. And so it's hard to continue to keep a bond of peace with a character like this. The Apostle Peter is going to weigh on, in on this in 1 Peter 3, 8 through 9. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Soviet Russia is not going to send one bit of military help to Great Britain, but Great Britain is going to sacrifice what they have to give strength to Soviet Russia. 
Soviet Russia is, I don't know how much, how many times bigger than Great Britain. I mean, we're talking massive landmass. Amount of people in Soviet Russia compared to Great Britain, I mean, it's just huge. Now, if you look at the old commonwealth of the empire of Great Britain, yes, they have a lot. But just in this little territory, there's not a lot. And that's what they're trying to defend right now. They're trying to defend the island of Great Britain. Jesus Christ is going to say something that weighs in on this same topic. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. I've oftentimes called it the agony of gentleness. It is a very real agony when you face that inner struggle of response. When there's certain things you want to say, there's certain things you want to do, but the Spirit of God checks that. And he says, no, let's do it my way. And Christ's way is different. He went to the cross silent as a lamb unto slaughter. That is not normal human behavior. That is supernatural behavior. What is the opposite for us right now? You see, there, it's very easy to get frustrated with what's going on in the world today, with this whole COVID-19 thing, with the amount of lies that we're getting constantly around us. You can get frustrated. You can get perturbed. You can get outraged. And yet what I want us to do is apply this simple principle to the snarly, sniveling dimensions of our own life. It could be family. It could be extended family. It could be work-related challenges. It could be in the church. It could be in the government. It could be at a governmental national level. It could be in politics or media. But I want us to respond as Christ would respond. Yeah, Christ would get stiff at times and give a, a clear statement to the Pharisees, he'd tell them exactly what he thought. So it's not the absence of clarity. It's the presence of love. It's the presence of mercy. It's the presence of patience. This is something that God desires to cultivate inside of each one of us. So if you were to think even a broader level of some of the different characters in your life, maybe in the media, maybe in the political realm, that might be rubbing you the wrong way, just imagine if you were a Christian towards them. You see, what we need to be doing is praying for them. What we need to be doing is desiring their salvation. What we need to be doing is desiring truth to reign in their life, not just being frustrated with them. That's not going to change anything. That's the way, the way the world works. We're Christians. So we have some difficulty today. It's funny because if we were to talk about our allies, did you know that our governmental uh, you know, the politicians out there are technically on our side. We're all one country, but they're our ally. It doesn't feel like it, I know. At times we're like, I don't think that person's on my side. It's an unfriendly ally. That's why I named it this. It's just like a Stalin in our life. We're fighting supposedly for the same purpose, but I tell you what, it sure doesn't feel like that. In Christian leadership, I can give you so many illustrations. I'm restraining myself from doing it. In regards to denominationalism and the, and the infighting that takes place in Christianity, where it's like, technically, that's my ally. It sure doesn't feel like that. But who's going to be the bigger person? You see, all of us, just imagine if we caught the vision of just rising up and beginning to behave as Christ in these circumstances. The world could be changed. So do you have a difficult person, situation, circumstance, people, group in your life? Proates, gentleness. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. God desires to work inside of you in such a way as to showcase his love and his patience and his mercy through you. So as you encounter those sticky situations today, I want you to ask God for that grace, that grace that is required 
to be able to function as Christ would function in these challenges. Father, I ask that you would work this in us. I pray that you would unlock reservoirs of that grace that is required for us to be able to function with that long-suffering, with that courtesy, with that mercy in circumstances that we are currently facing. All of us that are listening to this, I pray just for a special grace that we would showcase the kingdom of heaven in and through our lives. If Churchill and Roosevelt could do it with Stalin and ultimately see that Stalin turned into a great asset, Lord, I pray that we would find the grace to do it in our own lives and that in the church we would function with those other members of the church that might see things different, that in our families we might be able to function together in a manner that is truly supernatural. Lord, we love you and we submit to you. It's in the precious name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellerslie.com. Thanks for listening.